Hi everyone, this is John Doerr, and you are listening to PF's Tape Recorder. Hello there, I'm PF, this is my tape recorder. Coming up, comedian Dave Crow. With Tim Slagle's crash and burn in mind, and the idea of doing 20 minutes you've never done before, I decided to try to write 20 minutes exclusively on Antarctica. So it'd be brand new 20 minutes that I've never done before. And I was going to do that for the 2,000 people on the cruise ship. We'll hear more from Dave in just a bit. Uh, we have a dumb bit from the archive, sort of. I'll, I'll explain that in just a minute. And the song of the week is a flashback all the way back to the 80s. I'll explain that one as well. But first, let's get to that dumb bit. I used to be in radio, and I don't know if a lot of you folks are interested in, in old radio, like my friend uh, Professor Bree Freeman over there uh, teaching in Dubai these days. But um, I always look at the ratings here in Cincinnati for the station, because I'm just curious to see what people are listening to. And then also I look at them in other cities to see what stations are still popular. And what's weird here in Cincinnati is, uh, unlike a lot of cities, our number one station usually is WLW, which is a news talk station. It's the uh, They call it the big one, and you can hear it at night ha- halfway around the country and, and half of Canada. And um, in other markets, like St. Louis and Cleveland and, and Pittsburgh, the big news talk station is only it's like three, four, or five in the ratings, which has always been strange. And the reason, uh, again, if, if you're interested, and if you're not, you can feel free to hit that Ford 15 button, uh, is that WLW carries the Cincinnati Reds, who are usually pretty competitive. And so the ratings are good over the summer because people want to listen to the Reds. Uh, they did very badly this year, so the ratings for WLW were down. And um, I used to kind of work for WLW. As some of you know, I used to work for a man named Gary Burbank, who is a very funny radio host. And uh, I used to write, uh, help write some of the sketches and stuff like that. And it was unusual because it was um, kind of like a morning zoo drive show, only without the zooness, so it wasn't stupid. And uh, it was on in the afternoon. And so we, you know, he did interviews and we, you know, fake commercials and we did skits and all kinds of other stuff. And it was it was a lot of fun. And here's one of the ones that I wrote I thought I would play for you today from the vault. Uh, it's a thing called Eunice and Bernice. And it's kind of like the Emily Latella thing from Saturday Night Live where she would mishear something. Uh, only he does it a little slightly different way. And one time he asked me, he goes, did I rip this off from Golda Radner? And I'm like, well, you know, people borrow ideas all the time, one. And Gary was actually the first to do the uh, the prank phone call thing where he calls somebody up as a character. It was always the same character, a man named Gilbert Gnarly. Uh, do look those up. They're hilarious. And then everybody stole that from him. So, I mean, you know, all, all you have to do is invent one thing, in my opinion. If you want to borrow something from somebody else and do it too, eh, knock yourself out. But it's funny, a little aside to the Gilbert Gnarly thing is that the uh, the jerky boys from the 90s, uh, they got wind of what Gary was doing, and they tried to sue him for stealing their idea, not realizing he'd been doing it for 10 years before them. So anyway, uh, Eunice and Bernice, uh, they would, they were, uh, is Gary doing both voices, of course, uh, and run through some effects. It's pretty funny. Uh, they would uh, read something in the newspaper, become alarmed, uh, or hear something on the radio and become alarmed about it, call Gary to discuss it. And so here is uh, Eunice and Bernice from the Gary Burbank Show, uh, written by me. Yeah. I got some little news here. Why don't we get right to that little news? Uh- <laughs> Uh, this was uh, this week. Now, the interesting part of this story is earlier on, but West Price Hill man accused of fleeing from police who caught him. After, you see this in the news? He was tased. Oh, yeah. yeah. The, uh, this is man arrested after being tased. 
Sure, there's a call about. I'll take the call. Yes, hello, you're on the air. Hello, is this Rush Limbaugh? Hello, this is no, Eunice it's, it's, and Bernie. Uh-huh, the Siamese twins joined together at the telephone, calling you from Pisgah, Ohio. Uh, hi, ladies, but I'm not. I'm not we Rush. Just love your show, Rush. That's nice. You know what we always say, Tell him, honey. Oh. We always say. A day without Rush Limbaugh is like an eyeball without a fork in it. I like when you say that. We always say that. No, that's nice if you just but say Rush, that. But what? Terrible, terrible, terrible. What actually is so bad? You said a man was teased after a high-speed car chase. No, I didn't say that at all. Oh, I, I said it's good was... to see they didn't have to rough him up, but well, is humiliating him a good response? Humiliating someone? No, it's, what it's... did they say to yeah. him? What did they say? Ha-ha. You hit a telephone pole and tried to get away. That was the worst getaway ever. No, it was tased. It was tased. When they asked him for his ID, no, it wasn't they tried t- to play keep away with his wallet. <laughs> that would be pretty mean. Oh, yeah. No, Here's they didn't do that. No, my partner has it. Here you go. Oops. Uh, to catch it. <laughs> no, that they, might it was, get a body riled up there. Right he was up, tased, not teased. Party. Wasn't very bright driving into a telephone pole and then no. trying to drive off. No, it's not a smart a idea. I agree really with that. should be teased for doing something that dumb. You yes, think it should be teased then? Yes, but they're not Hopefully talk- this will be a deterrent. Deterrent. If people know they may get teased when they mm-hmm. resist arrest or mm-hmm. commit a crime, maybe mm-hmm. they'll think twice. It was tased. A lot of people would rather get roughed up a little bit than be teased and he, get their feelings all hurt. Don't it, you think? He was, he was tased. So. Not teased. He was tased. Will say you shouldn't tease anybody. I didn't. But they're just a bunch of wimps. Yeah. Some of them ought to be teased. Yeah. Maybe toughen them up a little bit. Tased. Just can't please those folks. Tased. You beat on a suspect with a nightstick, they cry police brutality. Tased. The officers just tease a suspect a little, and the pinkos get upset. Tased. Tased. He was tased, not teased. Tased. Tased. You know, when they, 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 shoot, they, they tase you, they shoot a taser in you and it electrocutes you. Oh, well, we weren't know. calling you anyway. <laughs> we were calling Glenn Beck. Oh, you like Glenn? He's beating up on those Femi Nazis and environmentalist wackos today. Oh, okay. It's a doubleheader. Doubleheader, yeah. That's, that's... Well, anyway, thank okay. you. We'll hang up in this day your reply. We I don't really have one. I'll be okay on this. Uh... Dave Crow is a stand-up comedian originally from the Pacific Northwest, and he'll be in Minneapolis with his good buddy Kermit Arpaio, also from the Pacific Northwest, co-headlining at the Acme in Minneapolis. Here now is our interview with Dave Crow. Hello, this is Dave. Hey, Dave, it's P.F. Hey, (laughs) sorry for not sending you my number. I thought it was on the uh, little signature at the bottom of every Uh, email, but... No, I, I apologize. It's okay. Um, so, uh, <laughs> how you been? Been uh, been pretty good, I guess. All things considered. Okay, I think it's yeah. I, I forget the last time I talked to you. Uh, I think a little probably, about... was it two years ago? Two years ago? A year ago? A year and a half, maybe. Two and a half. Wow. Yeah, year and a, year and a half. Year and a half. I think I I can't remember exactly, yeah. but um. Yeah, sorry about all the mix-up, too, with getting this thing uh, sorted. I We had a wedding in Cleveland over the weekend, and my wife decided to leave Friday morning instead of Friday afternoon, and then uh, and, and then the guy at my day job left, and then I inherited his job, and I'm doing so I'm doing his job and my job, and it's just been extremely stressful. I had to work while I was up in Cleveland at the wedding. Uh, it was, oh, jeez. Oh, 
Yeah, yeah, I had to bring my computer with me and do work, and it's just been crazy. But, um, anyway, <laughs> so... Uh, you well, just... I think it worked out for the best, because this is sort of my first day at home doing, uh, just being normal. That's cool. So you, you were out on the road. You, you were up in Alaska with Kermit Apayo? Was Did I understand that correctly in the email string? or? Did... Oh, no, Kermit... Okay, uh, this is Acme's oh, you... 20 or 25th anniversary week that I, where, when I'll be there. Okay. Right, and when I was just a budding comic starting out, Kermit had worked at Acme a number of times. Uh, Lewis really liked him and and uh, so Lewis gave him some early opportunities to headline Acme. And so Kermit brought me to feature for him. Uh-huh. And it was one of the very first comedy clubs I ever worked. So that's back in 1993, I think, or 92, something like that. Yeah. And so when Lewis invited me to work the week of the 25th anniversary, uh... It just didn't feel right to just to go do that week by myself. Because, you know, you know those weeks where there's some, where an event where there's just some history behind it? Right, right. So so I I told Lewis, I said, okay, here's the deal. Can I take what I'm getting paid and split it with Kermit and the two of us can co-headline the week? Because I'd like to bring, I'd return the favor 25 years later yeah. and bring him with me. <laughs> oh wow! Okay, well, that's so. So that was just because it felt like it had to be done, right? Sure, sure. Well, that's so I, uh, I Lewis said, "Oh, that's good, but you call him because it'll be shitty pay." I think huh. Lewis's quote. Huh. <laughs> huh. So, uh, so Kermit thought it was great, and uh, so we're both going to be doing a co-headline week there. Awesome. Well, what a huge uh, treat for the people of, of uh, at Minneapolis. Yeah, and I know it's up on the website, uh, so I thought, well, you know what, that'd be... Uh, I, I'm glad you mentioned that, that I didn't communicate that correctly, because, yeah, that's that's sort of the, the added bonus for the week. Terrific. So, do you used to live in the Pacific Northwest? I can't remember. Where... I still do, yeah, okay. I still do. All right. And I have a daughter, she's six now. Okay. And, and uh, which is what keeps me here, of course. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and what what sort of changed uh, last time I saw you is I got this call out of nowhere from a cruise ship agent out of Miami and uh, asked if I had ever worked on cruise ships. And, of course, I had. When I was 23 years old, I was the manager of a tour office on a cruise ship. Oh, wow. But I had not stepped, I had not stepped foot on one since. <laughs> yeah, At back then, uh, 23, went around the Caribbean, around the Mediterranean, around the Baltic, went to the Soviet Union many times. Oh, my gosh. In its last year, in its last year of being the Soviet Union. Oh, wow. And, uh, and up around the Canadian coast. And then 20-some years without stepping foot or even thinking about a cruise ship. So this cruise ship agent calls me and says, do you work on cruise ships? I said, no, not since I was 23, and uh, and he said, well, I'd like to submit you because I think some of this stuff might do well. The cruise lines are really refreshing their, their comedy talent. Um, and so, well, sure, go, go you know, knock yourself out. <laughs> and I ended up getting a bunch of 
these bookings and the agent said, yeah, if, if when you're being offered for the first time, you really can't say no or shouldn't say no, at least the first time. Yeah. So since, since I saw you, I've done more, uh, quite a bit of that work and, and actually it's been fantastic. Been from, went around the Caribbean in the winter and up to Alaska and across the eastern seaboard up to Quebec City, down to Antarctica, around uh, around South America. I mean, it's just been... <laughs> and and again, all kind of getting paid to do it. So uh, yeah. what a what an amazing experience it's been. But I am very uh, uh, dedicated to uh, maintaining my career as a land club comic, too, because I think that's it's really, in its essence, what what it's about. Well, sure. Um, I know we, we spoke to Chris Porter years ago, and he had he done one cruise, and that was enough for him. He said that the accommodations for the comedian were just one step above a white collar prison. And uh, well, I guess that depends on your cruise line. I was yeah. working for Holland America, and the accommodations were on the top deck and had a full window. Oh wow! Uh, that went wall to wall in the cabin. Okay. <laughs> so yeah. It was almost embarrassing. <laughs> well, it seems like, since, like you said, they're revamping their comedy thing, I think they probably looked at it from the ground up, and maybe they no longer stick the comedian down with the crew like they had. Because this is probably, oh gosh, four or five years ago that we spoke to Chris about that. And uh, so yeah, maybe it, it, it has changed. It can and, depend It depends on whether you're working the comedy club on board or whether you're a guest entertainer doing the big showroom and cruise line to cruise line, but... One of the things now, I, I, I don't know how you would condense this into two sentences, but uh, one of the exciting things that happened to me was uh, Tim Slagle invited me to do the Crash and Burn oh. week at Acme. Are you? We're talking to okay. Tim. Yeah, talking to Tim next week, actually. Uh, probably this okay. week for next week. Yeah, yeah. Love Tim. And so, and you do you know what that is about? Yeah, yeah. We've interviewed about them before. Yeah, yeah. You're supposed to go up and not. And Jackie Cation's done it. Friend of the show. Um, yep. And uh, some other people I know have done it. Yeah. And um, oh, and uh, uh, Andy, Andy Smith from uh, over in Wisconsin was invited to do it. Okay. Too. So yeah, yeah. Very, very. Haven't unfortunately seen it, but I've interviewed many people that have uh, participated in it. Well, you, you essentially do twenty minutes you've never done on stage. Just twenty minutes that's been in your head. Yeah. But never been even performed at an open mic or anything. So. Uh, so I was signed up to do that and really excited about the opportunity. And it just so happened that three months before going to do Tim Slagle's Crash and Burn, I I did a trip to Antarctica as a guest entertainer on a cruise ship. What you do is you spend a whole week sailing around Antarctica and then you come back to South America and start to come up the coast of South America. And the cruise director asked me to do what they call a a variety show spot. So it's kind of an extra spot. You do your main show, and then maybe a week later they say, uh, can you just do 20 minutes? We're going to take a hand, two or three of the guest entertainers, and you'll just all do 15, 20 minutes. Uh, and we'll make a show out of that. And it's something the cruise lines do when when you're in a place like Antarctica where there's nowhere to fly in. <laughs> New right. people. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, with... Tim Slagle's Crash and Burn in mind and the idea of doing 20 minutes you've never done before, I decided to try to write 20 minutes exclusively on Antarctica. So it would be brand new 20 minutes 
that I'd never done before, and I was going to do that for the 2,000 people on the cruise ship. Oh, wow. And, uh, and I, I was really nervous about it. And But the thing is, when you go to somewhere like Antarctica, it, you have a very tribal experience because everybody in the group or on the ship is experiencing the exact same thing. Yeah. So uh, so we're all coming from a, a common place. And uh, and so I did that, and it worked fantastically because it was so, it was just relevant. Yeah. And uh, it's what everybody was thinking about. The material really didn't have to be that funny to everybody, but it was hilarious to those in the know. The ultimate inside joke show. Yeah, I was going to say, I love and, that kind uh, of stuff. And I don't think I would have done that had I not been signed up for Tim Spiegel's crash and burn because I was in that mindset of, you know what? You can get up there and do 20 new minutes. You can do it. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and and it was just, it really was a special experience. Yeah, that's. I think Tim once uh, indicated that maybe that show should also be called Feast or Famine because in one year he got all kinds of material out of it and another year he only got one joke out of it. So it's, uh, I imagine it's quite a challenge to do that. Uh, Tim Slagle had the funniest joke of the week. Can I share it with you? Sure, sure. And you can, you can tell him this later yeah. when you talk to him next week. It was, we happened to be there the day that Prince died. Oh. So, I mean, we were, that was the week we were doing Crash and Burn. Okay. So we went, after the show, we went out to the wake that they were having at the First Avenue, which is just around the corner from the hotel. Okay. The streets were packed. And they were playing music, and it was it was after midnight. It was just this kind of instant, we're going to celebrate Prince's life at the club where he used to perform. So, right. so the next day, we're at the comedy club, and, and Tim says on stage to open the show, he says, well, uh, I know we're all a little uh, moved by the uh, passing of the artist Prince, and uh, in fact, I went down to the wake held outside First Avenue last night, and uh, it was really a special experience. They were playing his music. Uh, they were Prince fans leaving flowers, and and it was really interesting. You could tell who all the people from Wisconsin were because they looked really uncomfortable wearing purple. <laughs> wow. So it's sort of a, it's yeah, a Viking sure. Green Bay Packers thing. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it it just really broke the ice about the whole thing. The room is dead silent thinking he's going to be serious. And then he yeah. told that joke. And it just uh, was this wonderful way that that humor can embrace and diffuse. Yeah, it, Because uh, then we could all move on. The show right. could go on without yes. people thinking, oh, I wonder what he's thinking about Clint. He, he had done it. He got a big laugh. And as you're indicating, <laughs> kind of like with your Antarctica thing, though, it's kind of a thing that only people really in that town could really understand, or maybe, you know, over in Wisconsin, too. But really, those two places, you know, you wouldn't work in, you know, Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Cincinnati. I mean, you know, right, some, exactly. people, some exactly. people, if you're a football fan, you'd understand that. But I mean, if, even if you're just a casual fan in, in Minnesota, of course, then that, that one makes total sense to you. That's that's funny. I'll definitely have to mention that to him. When we yeah, talk him. And, and even that day, it was going to work better than any other day. True, yeah. That's so funny. The, the day after, oh, it's just it was just beautiful to watch him. He didn't tell us the joke or anything or test it on us. He just went up there and he started really somber. 
sort of acknowledging and respecting yeah. the, the city's relationship with Prince and then found a way out of that silent hole of darkness with this great line. And then we were all brought into the daylight and we, the, the show went on as normal. It was just fantastic to watch. I, I never really told him that, but uh, uh, I think, I don't know if I have a recording of it, but it was, it was great. Cool. Um, let me see. Yeah. Uh, so, oh, I was going to ask you. So, are you, cause I'm always curious about this because some guys, when they do the ships, have to change their show a lot, and and other guys don't, and other and sometimes even let you. Uh, I think Mike Siegel was on my friend's podcast. I'm friendly with Pat Francis, uh, who does the Rock Solid podcast, and Mike Siegel's one of his rotating uh-huh. co-hosts. And Mike was saying that um, some ships now they will let you do a grown-up hour, but then you have to have that grown-up hour, and but you also have to have the uh, G version too. Uh, which is what they always want you to have, but is uh, is that something that you're running into, or is, do you just do your set and your set's your set? No, they they like the family family version, and then uh, and then it's usually if there's a venue that's appropriate that uh, where you can do your late show or your club set, they'll they'll have you do that too. Okay. Because there's a, there's always a hundred people on board who who don't want the um who who are just fine with the George Carlin version of comedy and <laughs> don't need the Disney version. Right. <laughs> right. right. You know, the, and it's not necessarily different people. It's the, the, the main show will have eight-year-olds and 80-year-olds, and the, uh, the, the late show will have only 40, 50, and 60-year-olds. So. Hmm. So, so, because the eight-year-olds don't stay up and the 80-year-olds don't either. There you go. <laughs> me um so what kind of things are you talking about on stage these days i'm sorry what was that what kind of things are you talking about on stage these days well you know i uh um after the crash and burn which was only about six months ago i i started to build a new hour around that and uh and the we'll see how much of that set i'm able to use on a normal week but uh um I started to tell a long story with many tangents about the time that I was, uh, I don't want to, it's not, molested is not the right word, but put in a very, very uncomfortable, awkward situation by my, one of my old teachers. Oh, wow. Yeah, and so this whole Trump thing with these women coming out saying Trump did this and that and oh, okay. so I... I thought, uh, gosh, maybe maybe this story is actually more relevant this week or next week than it. <laughs> so I'm going to try it out. Um, that, that's just a, a, a component of it. It's not the whole hour is not about that. It's just oh yeah, it's just a, a, kind of a casual through line, and there are lots of tangents. Hmm. Okay. So um, so uh, I you know I would if I if I could pick. Um, I guess, I guess, uh, I guess it's a little bit past and present autobiographical. Um, okay, yeah. I, I know you need to, I know you'd love a joke to write down <laughs> <laughs> and I could easily mail you one probably within 10 minutes after we hang up, but, um, well, no, that's not going to uh, I just want to know what the general uh, structure of it was. These I'm, I'm curious also, well, with the election bearing down on us, have you and you said you mentioned the Trump thing a minute ago, but uh, beyond that, you know have, what? You, 
gotten into any of that, or some people that, have, some people haven't. That might that might be something a nice line to print because I think we're going to be there. The uh, I think I think we're going to be there the, um, the week before the election, right? I think so. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes. So. So yeah, I've had a couple of jokes. I've had to keep it pretty even because I'm in the. Um, just because I don't want to split the room, but sure. Uh, yeah, you know, my my thing was that it's hard to trust either candidate. You know, Trump, Trump, for example, is from he's very pro-American, but he wants to make America great again. Says America is the best country in the world, but his wife is from Slovenia. You know, even <laughs> <laughs> he didn't even choose American when he chose a wife. Huh. So, but you know what a lot of people say? There are some jobs Americans just won't do. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. There you go. Yeah. And then and then for Hillary, though, uh, Angela and Hillary is that uh, I don't really trust her motives. I think the only reason she's running is to get back at her husband, Bill. Uh, you can deny that, but mark my words, if she gets elected, you just wait to see who she chooses. Uh, to be her intern at the Oval Office. Huh. <laughs> I'm thinking it's going to be right out of Chippendales with bow ties and shirt jerk. There you go. Be like a uh, tag on uh, Friends when, when Rachel had to choose her uh, right. assistant. <laughs> That's funny. The real winner, of course, is Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton is the winner in all of this. If Hillary wins the election, he'll be the first, first husband in American history. Let me get this straight. My job is to entertain the wives of the dignitaries when they show up at the White House. <laughs> I, hadn't thought I of can that. do that. Yeah. Well, I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> I know. I don't, I don't His think... job is to entertain the wives yeah. of the foreign dignitaries. Oh, maybe Hillary didn't think this thing through after all. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Well, that's cool, man. Um, so you're, you're getting to play a lot of uh, clubs, though, still with all your cruise ship work? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I've got work in the Seattle Club this coming week, and uh, uh, it's, I try, I'm trying to balance it. Uh, the summer was obviously a little heavier in that direction, but I still yeah. really love doing this because of the creation of new material, recording records or bits and getting them out there. So that's the, uh, then you can't really do that on boats. So I'm certainly not uh, dedicating myself to that as a career. You can always be there. Yep. Well, awesome, man. Got a lot of good stuff for the piece here. I don't know if I mentioned the email. I wanted to use the audio of this uh, on my podcast, if that's okay with you. Uh, the audio of our interview. Yeah. conversation here? Yeah. Oh, do you, you, you just put the whole thing there? Yep. Well, I take out some, you know. Or do you cut it up? Cut no, out anything I, I just cut it like the beginning and the end, like this part. Where I'm asking you if we can use the audio on the podcast. I'll cut this part out. Oh, okay. <laughs> and where people answer the phone. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Well, terrific. Um, well, good luck up there in Minneapolis. Have fun with Kermit. He's been on the show before, uh, and he's a really funny guy. And um, he's a friend of a friend of the show, Jackie Cation. I know they've done. Uh, shows. Right. I think they both featured for Brian Regan and stuff. So um, it's a small comedy world. And as always, we need to get you down here to Cincinnati because I don't think you've been down here. Uh, have you, or maybe uh, you know what? It's one I have worked everywhere around there regularly uh, my whole career, and never been to Cincinnati. I would love to get in there. 
Okay. Love it for sure. I'll, I'll put a word in. And I will definitely give you a ring. I'm, 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 I've got this documentary that I've been editing or trying to edit for way too long, and it's finally coming to a close. I was hoping to have it done by the time I went back to Acme, but it's not happening. But uh, it's close. So I will call you when that's, uh, when that's all ready and set to launch. Oh, awesome. Because that's, it's a really, it's a really cool, uh, it's turning out to be a, a, a very um, unique way to do a comedy special, in, in my opinion. Oh, so it's, it's a, a special with like a, some documentary footage wrapped around it. Is that? Yeah, and, and the bulk of it is it's. I would say it's half and half. I won't say bulk, but okay. it's, it's a comedy special. And then there was a lot happening during the shoot, during the comedy special recording, and uh, and and actually it was more of a just a CD recording. It wasn't supposed to be a, a filmed or taped special, but. Um, but I had a documentary crew to follow me around and stuff because there was some other stuff going on simultaneously. And it turned out to be really interesting. And I probably should have just forked over a bunch of cash to an editor uh, right when it was shot and was committed to trying to do it myself. And it's taken far longer than it should have. And uh, But it's it's close to being done. Well, cool. Well, let us know when that comes out, and we'll, uh, we'll certainly um, I will. give that some ink and some... Uh... A shout out on the on the cool. show as well. well yeah, I, I think it's I think it's as far as what I'm doing, it's it's I'm I'm very proud of it, and it, I think it's it's worth it's it's worth talking about uh, as opposed to cool for a number of reasons as opposed to just trying to sell tickets for a week. <laughs> okay, man. Well, good talking to you, and uh, I'd like to hope, hope to see you sometime okay. in person. All right. Talk okay. to you later. Bye. Thanks again to Dave Crow for being on the show. You can catch Dave co-headlining with Kermit Apayo, another friend of the show. Uh, go back and listen for his episode. And they are in Minneapolis Tuesday, November 1st through Saturday, November 5th. So that's a great treat for the folks of Minneapolis. Dave Crow, very funny. Kermit Apayo, very hilariously funny. Do check them out. I want to remind you that um, to buy the Imagination Mover single, we promoted that last week, Friends of the Show. Always glad to help those guys out. Super, super nice guys. Please go buy the single, Super Movers. And then they can get their animated show on the air. No more deserving four guys than those cats. All right, so it's ninety-nine cents. Not going to cost you anything. And then you can just you know copy it and give it to, a, to your kids, and I'm sure they'll enjoy. It. All right, so it comes up to the song of the week. You're going to skip the credits. Um, song of the week. I don't normally do flashbacks for song of the week, but um, this past week uh, we ha- we lost someone in the uh, rock and new wave community, and uh, I would say a fairly important figure, flamboyant to say the least. The name was Pete Burns from the group Dead or Alive. They only had actually only had two top forty hits here in the United States. Had a bunch over in the UK, but I wanted to play this one because um, when they started out, they had one album uh, and it was okay. And uh, Pete Burns, you know, looked like a long-haired woman, kind of like kind of like uh, Grace Jones with um, long hair, I would say. And very flamboyant, uh, you know, from Liverpool, like not of co- only, of course, the Beatles, but OMD, Flock of Seagulls, Echo and the Bunnymen, all them. So he was in that scene. And uh, he, g- the first album was okay. They had a, a minor hit in Britain. I think it got 30-odd with um, a cover of a Casey and the Sunshine Band song. Uh, and then they had another uh, one of their own singles, I, I Would Do Anything, which also scraped the bottom of the top 50 there. 
And then uh, in the summer of 1985, oh, actually in the winter of 1985, I'd say January, they brought out this song, and it was produced by a couple guys called Stock, Aiken, and Waterman. You may know them from a bunch of songs from the 80s that you hate. But this was uh, their first foray into production, uh, combined with Pete Burns' and Dead or Alive's song, their production. This thing stormed a number one in Britain, but it did not get released in the United States until, I believe, it was June. And I remember them playing it on Friday Night Videos. I was at my mom's house, home from college, just for a couple of days, and uh, Friday Night Videos came on, and they said, we're going to have a world premiere or United States premiere from uh, Dead or Alive. And I, I said, okay, they, these guys had a kind of a rubbish record before. Let's see what they've got. I was completely blown away. It's my favorite song for the whole summer. So here now is our song of the week. It's dead or alive, you spin me around. Uh, uh, rock and pieces, they say on Rock Solid, Pete Burns. So long and thanks for listening.